Hello and welcome to Spirit Life Applied, continuing our season three, Strength Through Stability. This is episode three, Fully Furnished for a Blessed Life. Today we're continuing our teaching on Strength Through Stability by picking up this house analogy that Jesus gave us in Matthew 7 by telling us that when we hear and do what he says, we will be like a wise man or a woman who built their house on the rock, which is Jesus himself. We've already established that this means that our spiritual house is basically invincible to the storms of life, and our identity is now in him, and now that he is in charge, We need to hear his instructions on how to fully furnish this house with the right spiritual furnishings that will create the atmosphere of a spiritually blessed life. We've got the foundation laid. It's Jesus, and he is complete. And because of him, we are founded on a solid foundation. And we built the walls of our spiritual house and we want to let him furnish our lives. You know, the term fully furnished, you know, it's often used as a term in an advertisement for a living space to sell, lease, or rent. And to be fully furnished means it's ready to move in with all the required furnishings for a functioning life. We want the Holy Spirit to be able to move and function inside of us on a daily basis. He wants to abide within us. So where do we get all these furnishings from? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. It says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, or the New King James says complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So there we go. The Word of God is the treasure trove or the warehouse that we can go to to deck out our spiritual house and make us complete so that the Holy Spirit can move and function within us. And we are learning that from our text in Matthew 5 where Jesus is teaching all about the Beatitude. It's the attitude that is the first layer of furnishings for this house. It sets the tone. It gives the atmosphere. Your attitude is so important. So let's look at what he does. In Matthew 5, Jesus sits down on the hillside to teach this plan. So the scene depicted here is precious to me because, you know, he's sitting down. When my grandkids uh, come home or come to my house, uh, myself or my husband will will get down on the floor, you know, just little babies, and 
now they're they're starting to grow up but you know especially when they're one and even younger we could get down on the floor with them and they would just respond so beautifully and just love it when we would spend that quality time you know right down on their level there's an unspoken affection that's on display when a big person comes down to the level of the little one. And it's a beautiful correlation that we see here when Jesus sits down to spend quality time teaching those who are eager to hear. It's mind-blowing to me to think that the God of the universe would stoop down, sit on the ground, and spend time like this, speaking intimately into the lives of his children. It says a lot about the nature and character of God, who became so approachable and required no entourage, no special platform, or pomp, or introduction of himself, the humility that Jesus shows us is the first attitude that we witness in this text. You know, as I've studied the Beatitudes, I've been made keenly aware that not one of them can be developed without humility first. God has painted the walls of our spiritual house with a beautiful shade that says, I want to be real. I want to be comfortably close to you and remove all signs of stuffiness and pretense. This house is not a museum of stoic hierarchy, but it is a thoroughly furnished, hospitable place of peace, communion, and rest. So we need to keep the perspective here that Jesus humbled himself and we can follow in his footsteps and humble ourselves and develop every one of these furnishings or attitudes that he teaches us about. First thing I want to know, want you to pay attention here in the Beatitudes is is the words blessed are or blessed are is used nine different times. And we would be remiss to think that there is not an intentional emphasis on how he wants us to feel in our new home. Remember, old things are passed away and he's come to set up house and he starts by telling us how to furnish his house for a blessed life. So that word blessed, it means to be happy, to be envied by others or fortunate. It means to be spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction, to have God's favor. There's a very rich meaning here. The first beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the Amplified, it says blessed, happy to be envied, 
and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, this verse, it sets the tone for all the functions that we have as a believer. You might say that this attitude presents the background color. Have you ever looked at the paint store and looked at some of the names of the colors? Uh, Some of them have nothing to do with color. Well, I think we can kind of go a little bit along that line because we're using this as a metaphor, but I would say that the color of the Christian's house is humbly grateful. Some Christians are grumbly and hateful, but this Christian he describes is humbly grateful because to be poor in spirit is to have an attitude of humility that always says, I am spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. There's nothing in me that makes me good. There's none good, Jesus himself said, there's none good but the Father. It says that apart from the grace and the mercy of God, I am nothing and can do nothing beneficial for the kingdom. And when we see our others fail, we will automatically take the default position of restoration that says, except for the grace of God, there go I. So we have this beautiful contrast. It's a blessing attached to a a phrase about being bankrupt and spiritually poor that says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's so amazing because it's like he's saying, I want to bring all of the blessings down that only heaven could know the value of whenever you present yourself as being nothing. It's a picture of the pauper turned royalty all in one sentence. This awareness of how depraved we are spiritually without him alongside the overwhelming knowledge that we are blessed with everything heaven has is an astounding contrast that sets up an extraordinary home for God to dwell in. It creates a complementary and balanced contrast of humility and respect and bold confidence that offers endless possibilities for the spirit-led life. Do you see that Jesus tells us all in one sentence, you ain't nothing spiritually, and when you really know it, he says you can have it all. Wow. As the song says, he's the ocean grand, and I'm just a speck of sand. It is amazing, and what an amazing God he is, that he would give us such an understanding that when we have this 
attitude of spiritual humility that it means we have access to all spiritual blessings. It's just mind-blowing. And I don't think we can ever get to the place where we fully mature in developing this attitude. It can be revealed in so many ways in our relationships with life that can cause us to be a house of blessing. So the next beatitude is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So blessed and enviable, enviably happy, this is the Amplified, with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So this verse is directly linked to the former beatitude because when we mourn over our spiritual depravity or weaknesses, we can expect God's comfort. It also means that we grieve. When we mourn, we also grieve over the things that grieve God, such as the unfaithfulness and the immorality and cruelty that run rampant in the world. Look at Luke 19:41, Acts 20:19, 20, 2 Peter 2 and 8. Those who mourn over sin and its effect on people's lives and commit themselves to helping rescue people from evil are comforted by receiving from God's righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit. That's from Romans 4 17, 14 17. So there you go. There's some more furnishings for your spiritual house. Because when you mourn and grieve with God and grieve over the own lack of spiritual richness in your life, your own spiritual poverty, you become blessed and comforted. To the point that you receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're filling our house up with the furnishings that causes there to be a functionality for the Holy Spirit to move and bless us and others. And the, the final one we're going to talk about today are is blessed are the meek. Verse 5, for they shall inherit the earth. In the Amplified, it says, Blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, patient, and long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, it's not just being mild, patient, and long-suffering, because it takes power to do that. It takes power from God for you to remain calm in the midst of strife, doesn't it? You know, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about being able to control ourselves and, and not be let anger and wrath run through us and misbehave in, in ways that keep us in check. And when we 
when we have this kind of meekness, it's not weakness, but I believe it's best described as power under authority. It's God's power, the Holy Spirit, taking the reins. You know, you may be tempted to say things that are ugly and hateful and revengeful, but when the right attitude of meekness is there, there's the Holy Spirit is holding the reins of your tongue, and He's keeping you from speaking things that you shouldn't speak. He's giving you an attitude that says, this is not just my house. This is God's house. And what comes out of me represents Him. And so, meekness is not weakness, but it's power coming under the authority of God. And when believers recognize the awesome privileges that come by being adopted into God's family, sometimes there's an air of royalty that goes to their head. You know, we are made royal priesthood, the Bible says. We are made royalty, but it's His royalty. It's We are just gracious recipients of that. And people will get saved and they realize how much God has done for them and how much power He wants to share with us through the kingdom. And they begin to act like entitled brats naming and claiming every selfish desire that they can imagine. But the true Christ follower will rein in those selfish tendencies and begin to recognize that the power of God must never be used as a tool for selfish gain. The true believer will commit themselves and the direction of their lives entirely to God. And they're more concerned about God's work and God's people than about what might happen to them personally. Look at Psalms 37:11. The meek, rather, than those who aggressively pursue their own ways, ultimately will inherit God's benefits and reign with Him in the end. Those who appear to be in the limelight right now may actually be servants to those who are the unseen prayer warriors in the dark. Do you hear what I'm saying? Meekness is not weakness, but it's the power of God coming over you and causing you to be controlled by Him, causing you to be patient, causing you to have long-suffering, to be mild and to be kind when you could be cruel. It's, it's to be God's representative. And there is an attitude that says, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And all of heaven is available to me. And I, one of these days, I'm going to reign with him and inherit this earth. And, and everything that... Satan claims is his story, is really belongs to God because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So the meek will inherit the earth, and that's a promise we have coming to us. There will be times when it looks like on the outside that we're not winning the physical exchange that's happening. But in the spiritual realm, there are eternal victories that are being won, 
And God is the great vindicator who says we will inherit the earth. God bless you.